Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. All right. On this episode of podcast, we talk about Samsung's S22 event, a very noteworthy event. We talk about GTA's next installment being in development, potentially a new GTA game coming. And we talk about Nintendo Direct and Switch sales. All right, on to topic number one. Today, Wednesday, February 9th, was the Samsung Galaxy S22 Unpacked event. And, you know, surprise, surprise, we predicted everything that was going to happen. <laughs> we predicted the phones we were going to get. We predicted the tablets we were going to get. We predicted the prices. I mean, we're pretty much profits at this point. So we got Samsung Galaxy S22, S22 Plus, and the S22 Ultra, all running the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 in North America, outside of North North America, running the Exynos 2200 chip, I believe that's what it was. Um, the S22 and S22 Plus, for the most part, were you know carbon copies of the S21 phones, just slightly smaller I guess dimensions, slightly smaller battery, slightly smaller screen. But one interesting thing that they did is they made it a bit more premium. You know, they put a better, a better refreshing screen on it. It could vary its refresh rate down to 10 hertz, whereas last year's models could vary their refresh rate down to 60 hertz. Also, last year, the S21, S21 Plus had a plastic, you know, sort of plastic semi-premium material on the back the s22 and s22 plus this year have glass on the back of the devices so you know a bit more premium than their predecessors pre-orders start today the 9th and they ship on the 25th sort of like we predicted last week and the prices are 7.99 for the s22 and 9.99 for the s22 plus and that's usd pricing now, I guess, what what are your thoughts on this event? And more specifically, what are your thoughts on these phones? Knowing that, okay, the prices that you were predicting last week, that you were hoping for, and this is what it turned out to be. So what are your thoughts on the phones? Uh, my thoughts are, are they're cool. Um, they're, they're pretty cool. When it comes to the upgrades from last year, like we, we spoke about how, you know, we weren't big fans of the S20 line, but the S21 line, with the ultras and also just the base levels was actually really cool and the upgrades like you mentioned of improving from a plastic to a glass uh back is is a cool thing although i'm i'm i have no problem with with uh plastic backed phones Uh, so that's not the biggest upgrade for me but there are some really cool things here like i mentioned or like we mentioned on on the last podcast when we were talking about the the leaks i'm a big fan of the camera bumps on the s uh, 22 and s22 plus i like how minimal it is it's a lot cleaner and a lot less curvy than the uh s21 series and a lot it doesn't protrude as much uh which is really cool i really like the colors i think there's been a lot of of talk around the colors of this line um what i do hope is samsung in the past has made certain colors exclusive to certain regions or certain areas so that, you know a lot of the phones haven't been available widely available in all the cool colors but you know, Phantom Black returned, but also we have uh, this really cool green color, really dark green, which might be my favorite, or it's actually my second favorite color. Uh, my favorite color is this purplish, uh, they call it burgundy, even though it's like a, a purplish uh, kind of color. And it's my favorite color that they've shown. It's, it's, it's a weird color to see in a phone. We haven't really seen a color like that in the, in the past, but it's only available on the Ultra uh, version of the phone. And, you know, speaking of the Ultra, everything, you know, we said last week turned out to be true. It's pretty much a Note. It's exactly a Note 20, but with the Ultra name, has the S Pen included in the box. It has, you know, the high refresh rate screen, so the S Pen has the same kind of responsiveness that you get in the Galaxy Z Fold, which is really cool because they mentioned in the Z Fold 3 that that had the most responsive S Pen of any um, of any phone they released. And, you know, the new Ultra has that same kind of 
that same kind of feel, which is great. Uh, for me, though, you know, is the price is is one of the things that really kind of hurt a bit. Um, simply because like there's a lot of things that are missing in these phones that would have been huge for me. Uh, for one, the Ultra and I believe the S and S, the S22 and S22 Plus remove the um the sd card slot the micro sd card slot which is not something i'm a big fan of uh all obviously no headphone jack and it, with the ultra the base level ultra version comes with eight gigabytes of ram instead of 12 gigabytes of ram um and only 128 gigabytes of storage although it does go up to one terabyte of storage which is insane for a phone but you know all these things kind of these phones are cool but for me a lot of the stuff that i want from a phone they don't have and it's kind of a shame because i was really excited about the size of the s22 and s22 plus i like the fact that they got smaller i like the fact that the camera bumps got smaller um it just seemed like a really good small phone that's rare to see nowadays but then for those features that you know are really important to me like headphone jacks which obviously hasn't been around for a while but also micro sd card support kind of going uh, away a little bit of a downer for me also still using the ultrasonic fingerprint scanner and from what we've seen so far it still looks just as slow as the previous version so no real improvements there but um overall i think these are great phones uh, and for someone who's going to get a phone through a carrier that's subsidized i don't think there's going to be any issue going with these phones i think they're going to be fast they're going to be great they look great they look like they feel great. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about the build quality, quality like you mentioned, being a big step up uh, from the S21 series. So, yeah, I, I can't complain. I think it's actually really cool. Um, I think for Samsung, they're probably just a little bit uh, annoyed that everything leaked beforehand because I think they would have really liked to uh, uh, surprise a few people with, you know, the, especially the Note, sorry, the S22 Ultra <laughs> um, being pretty much a note for a pretty good price um it relative to previous notes so yeah mm -hmm. i think overall it was it was really cool but um how about you what do you think about these these new phones do you think they're missing too many features like i feel or do you think they they kind of hit it out of the park so one thing the s21s also did not have expandable storage mm. so you know you're you're living very far in the past if you're yeah. looking for a <laughs> flagship phone with i mean i'm pretty sure the sony phone had expandable storage but we all know that's a very special phone yeah but i i don't know i really like what they've done with the phones like you i like the design from last year i like the s21 the s21 plus the s21 ultra i like how the camera bump kind of blends into the frame of the phone I think also because they made the phones, you know, slightly thinner, slightly smaller, there's less of a difference, like you mentioned, between the top of the camera bump and the top of the rest of the phone. They, I know we were kind of talking about the price last week and saying, you know, well, it's the same price. They should drop it. But I mean, if you think about them making the phones more premium and keeping them the same price, I think in a way it's kind of like it's it's a win for the consumer right you're getting more phone without having to pay for more usually it'd be like oh well you know last year the phones were plastic if you want a premium phone you got to pay an extra 200 300 to get the premium mm -hmm. version of this phone with glass now it's well no our entry you know quote unquote entry level s22 phone is glass now, our S22 Ultra, last year, we charged you $100 for the S Pen. Now, we're going to include the S Pen. Now, we're going to include a better S Pen. And you don't have to worry about buying it. And you don't have to worry about buying some stupid storage case for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I think I think that they've, they've hit the mark here. You know, they found something that works in the design of the S22 and S22 Plus. They've made them a bit more premium. My only question is with these phones being thinner, being slightly smaller, you know, the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 chip has been shown to be a, a little bit power hungry. So that could be that could be a problem when we see some, you know, real world testing and we see some full on reviews. There could be some issues with 
battery consumption and how long the batteries last in. But, you know, the S22 Ultra, which is actually a Note, you know, it's funny that you called it a Note. It's the exact same design as the S20 Note. It doesn't look like an S22 anymore. I think I think they're just really trying to simplify their language down. And, you know, Samsung, they're notorious for having so many different phones and so many different prices and so many different, you know, segments. It's, I mean, a little bit surprising that they want to take, you know, one of those segments away, mm-hmm. right? Because they've had, they have phones pretty much from $200 to two grand, let's say, right? In $100 increments. And now the, to say, we're going to take away one of our top of the line phones, that's an interesting play by them. I'm happy for it because it makes notes more attainable for people. But yeah, the S22 Ultra is a note. It's just taking off the note name tag and putting on an S22 name tag. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think it's really fooling anybody. If you showed people these three phones they came out with and you said, okay, which one of these would you call a note? It would be the one that doesn't look like the other two because it's clearly a different phone. But I'm glad that they're doing it. I think I kind of mentioned that before, you know, it kind of, it simplifies their design language. It simplifies their, their marketing. And, you know, maybe when they come out with their new smartwatches, they do the same thing. There's, I don't know what they're on now, the Galaxy Watch 5, I think it is. You know, there's a 5, the 5 Plus, and the 5 Ultra, which comes with a stylus too, probably. <laughs> um, but speaking of, you know, simplifying their their marketing and their product line how do you feel about the tablets this is something that we said was probably going to happen but you know you don't know until you see it you know that's the thing with rumors there's all these rumors that float around but not all of them come true these ones came true we got the s8 tab the s8 plus and the s8 ultra ultra coming in at 14 inches uh super amoled display and i didn't see this any of the leaks any of the rumors uh it has a notch on it yeah which is a very surprising move i don't know if this was like i doubt that this is them seeing what apple did with their macbook pros and then okay we gotta put a notch on this device and then changing their entire design and then put in a notch with so this seems like something that's been brewing for a while but I mean, as far as I know, this is the first tablet with a notch. At least maybe this is the first mainstream tablet with a notch. But it is a very premium device. A huge screen at 14 inches, bigger than anything Apple has to offer. An amazing Super AMOLED screen. And it has a micro SD card slot for expansion. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're an Android purist like someone I know and you want that micro SD card... This is the device for you. Also, with any of their Tab S8 devices, they're coming with an S Pen in the box. Also, if you pre-order, I'm not sure how for how long, maybe like the first week or first two weeks, they're adding a keyboard in the box for you. So it seems like, I don't know, they're, they're throwing a lot of incentives around this Tab's S8 series that I think is, you know, very, uh, very good value proposition, I guess. Mm-hmm. for consumers but what are your thoughts as someone who uses an android tablet what are your thoughts on what you've seen from these new tablets and how soon are you going to order your s8 ultra uh so from what i've seen from these new tablets uh they're not for me for me and the ultra is probably the least interested uh out of the three i am out of the three um like you said, okay, maintains the expandable storage. Great. I'm, I'm really happy about that. The notch. Um, I think it's really dumb, but I think I understand why they probably did it. Uh, these devices, specifically tablets, are becoming more and more replacements for everyday computing devices. And right now, webcams and you know front-facing cameras are more important than they've ever been. And what's in that notch is two, it looks like two cameras um, that's facing you. And I imagine there's probably a lot of 
of probably cool front-facing camera stuff that they're doing there. If they're bad cameras and they don't look good for video conferencing and stuff like that, and this notch exists, that's really <laughs> dumb. That's then there's uh, that's just gonna you know annoy people. But if these cameras are actually significantly better than the rest of the line and the rest of tablets out there, I'll I'll excuse the fact that they put a notch in there, but I will not get a tablet with a notch. It's just I've said in the past I don't care about cameras. And a notch on my tablet or my laptop to me is just not something that I ever really want to see. But, you know, th these, these tablets are definitely aimed at Apple. They want to take a chunk out of the, you know, premium tablet market. And not a lot of companies are doing this right now. And I don't know how successful Samsung is with their tablet market, but I'm glad that they continue to do it because no one else really is. And I'm a big fan of tablets. I want to see more uh, tablets out there. So even though last podcast I said I, I really didn't like the fact that they were making three, and I still don't like the fact that they're making three premium tablets. I would have rather them stick to one or two. Um, I am a fan of the fact that they are making tablets, and they're actually putting a lot of thought into the tablets. And, and like you mentioned, they've done this since the X, S6, Tab S6 series. Uh, so for the past couple of years of you know, early tablet orders and pre-orders coming with the keyboard in the box. And the keyboard is actually a, a pretty good uh, keyboard case. So it's like, it's very similar to like the basic level iPad keyboard case, not the the fancy one that has the tablet suspended over the keyboard, but... Magic keyboard. Not the, yeah, like just the regular one um, without the trackpad. So it's very similar to that. Although the, these ones have a little bit more features, a little bit better key travel, and people have really a trackpad. Yeah, they do. And and they work really well with decks, uh, which is a key thing for Samsung tablets. Uh I don't use decks as much as um honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if most people who have Samsung tablets don't use decks much. But the cool thing about decks, despite the fact that a lot of people probably don't use it, is very similar to you know, I've heard a lot of people complain about uh Bixby and a lot of the Samsung ecosystem stuff. But the one thing I love about the Samsung ecosystem is that Samsung puts tools on their tablets, a lot of apps that are that are really good tools that allow you to get actual stuff done. Things like the S Pen, like you mentioned, things like the keyboard case, but even software-wise, like Dex, uh, like their file manager, like their their web browser, like their, uh, they have these swipe actions where if you swipe in from the side, you can instantly tap an app and will open up in a window or in split screen view. And you could have multiple windows or multiple, even in non-dex mode, you can have up to three uh, just floating windows on your tablet. So for the large 14 inch version, that's going to be really easy to get those, those windows on your screen and be able to, to actually do real, you know, multitasking on it. Uh, something that is still to this day, very difficult to do on the iPad. And we've talked about it so many times in the past. So, like I said, I, I'm, I think these things are cool. Uh, they're not for me, and they are very expensive. Um, but all that being said, with the S, the the phone series, S22 series, and the Tab series, it makes me really excited to see what Samsung does with their A series and their Lite series. I'm curious to see if they kind of keep a similar design to the S22 for their A series and maybe just uh, use plastic instead of glass bring the price down, add the headphone jack, which they we know they're going to do. They always keep a headphone jack in their A-series and maybe even add back expandable storage. And, you know, in their A-series on the tablets, they've done things like have AMOLED screens on them in the past, maybe no pen support, but SD card support and stuff like that. Samsung really knows how to bring the features that people really need for the more budget series while keeping a kind of premium looking design and premium feel uh they've gotten really good at that and i think right now we need that more than ever because there's no more lg uh huawei's gone uh oneplus is now making some of the most expensive phones in the world so for samsung to be able to take the premium side really do it really well to compete with apple but also hopefully use that expertise that they got from the premium side to bring to the more budget side and have something maybe in the three, four, five hundred dollar price range. 
Um, I'm hope I'm hoping that that what we've seen from this unpacked event kind of translates there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 cool. Um, but I don't know. Do you think that these tablets do enough to kind of compete with Apple, or do you think there's something that they're missing or something that they need to do? I think they're good competition, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to the apps. Mm. Um, That's a good point. And as much as it's, you know, they have more functions to them, they have better multitasking, they have, you know, not say quirks, but just, you know, different, different things that Samsung has built themselves into, you know, the functionality of the tablets. If, people don't have the apps that they want to use or have apps that are compelling to use on their devices, then, you know, no one's really going to move over to them. That's the thing. Like, I mean, let's say S pen support is great, mm-hmm. but Apple has Apple pencil, which is also great. Right. So then at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, okay, which applications are you more comfortable using the S Pen with, or do you want to use the S Pen with, and are they supported on the tablet that you want to use? And I think until Samsung and, you know, because it's running Android, until Android can compete with Apple when it comes to the apps that they're offering people, I think it's going to be hard for Samsung to be successful. As great as they can make a tablet, as much as they can throw in an S Pen and throw in a keyboard case and throw in multitasking and throw in decks, you know, at the end of the day, if people don't have the apps that they want to use, the tablet won't be as successful, which is unfortunate. Because mm-hmm. I would love to see a day where Apple starts saying, hey, you know, these S8 tablets are moving really well. We should start throwing in the Apple Pencil for people. That'd be great. Yeah. We should start throwing in magic keyboards for everybody. But, you know, they're too comfortable at the top. So they don't really feel the need or feel the pressure to do it. But I definitely think Samsung should keep on doing this. And I think the more successful they become at it, the more, you know, functionality they can build up for their tablets. I think that will kind of entice developers to create more apps for them. But yeah, I don't know. As someone, as I guess someone who's interested in tablets and, likes using tablets i don't see myself buying a samsung tablet mm-hmm. anytime soon well you know it's one of those things where unpopular opinion i've said it on this podcast in the past i think samsung does a better job with the android ecosystem than google does and the tablet their tablet series i think is a strong example of that but the problem is a lot of the narrative anytime someone uses a Samsung device, especially reviewers who use them for a short period of time and maybe go back to a Pixel or a Nexus device back in the day or even an iPhone, um, a lot of people don't like the fact that there's a Samsung Messages or a Samsung Notes app or a Samsung browser because you know on every other Android phone, they're used to using Chrome or, or Google Messages. Uh, but I, I will say that if people gave those apps a chance... I think a lot of people would be converted, not everyone, because there's still going to be a ton of people who really love iPads and, and love the way things work on an iPad. I, for one, don't. I don't like the, the lockdown kind of experience. I like the fact that I can just plug my phone into my tablet and it will pop up like it would on my computer with you know folders that I can just drag to and from each device. Like That's great. That's very user-friendly. Um, mm-hmm. And Samsung tablets have all the apps to do that right out of the box. You don't need to go to the Play Store to get a proper proper file manager. You don't need to go to the Play Store for Dex or or screen off notes, which is one of the best features on, on Samsung tablets. You just tap the pen to the screen and it will turn on just, you know, if it's an OLED screen, it will just turn on a black canvas that you can just dot jot down whatever notes you, you need and it will save that note to RAM. So the next time you tap your your screen on the tablet, you can either continue from that note or you can save that note and start all over again using minimal battery. Like stuff like that is really, really great. And I've said for a long time, I think Samsung's version of Android is hugely underrated. And I think the problem is not enough people get a chance to actually use it. So, you know, unfortunately, I think that's where Apple's domination is going to continue is because there's a lot more people using iPads and a lot of people who are not really interested in giving Samsung's ecosystem a chance. And I was one of them. And the only reason they got me in was 
through a huge value in terms of a really cheap Galaxy S6 Lite. So these tablets are great, these expensive tablets, but I don't think they're going to draw people into trying a Samsung tablet for the first time. I think they're just going to be there for people who are already fans, which mm -hmm. isn't a great way for them to grow their market. Yeah. All right. On to topic number two. Rockstar Games has finally made an announcement when it comes to the follow-up to their highly successful game, GTA V. Uh, in a series of tweets, they had the statement, you know, with the unprecedented longevity of GTA V, we know many of you have been asking us about a new entry in the Grand Theft Auto series. With every new project we embark on, our goal is always to significantly move beyond what we have previously delivered. And we are pleased to confirm that the active development for the next entry in the Grand Theft Auto series is well underway. We look forward to sharing more as soon as we are ready. So please stay tuned in the Rockstar Newswire for official details. So they're working on something. They're working on the next installment in Grand Theft Auto. But they don't say they're working on GTA 6. So a lot of speculation is going on. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things. And, you know, one of the... One of the ideas that's been floating around is, hey, GTA 5 was so successful. GTA Online was so successful. This may be the last Grand Theft Auto numbered game we get. They may just say, hey, we've made so much money with GTA Online. We've launched this game across three different console generations. Why would we make a GTA 6? Let's just make GTA Infinite or GTA Metaverse, and call it a day. Just rank, like, rake in the money. Get the dump trucks, fill them up with thousands and thousands and millions of dollars, and that's it. Um, make a game that will last forever. Now, I'm not sure if you've seen any of the news around GTA, but from what you've heard of, you know, Rockstar making this announcement and how long they've been stuck or, you know, stuck i'm sure at any point if they wanted to they could have released another game but for how long they've been releasing gta 5 and the success of gta online do you think rockstar is going to come out with a gta 6 you know with the typical campaign mode and then the online portion also or do you think they just say hey screw it we're here to make money gta forever uh yeah i i 100 think they're gonna do a full-fledged GTA game, single-player and multiplayer. And I don't know if it's going to be called GTA 6. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being called GTA Vice, as I think it is probably going to be a return to Vice City or maybe um, the GTA version of, of New Orleans, just because, one, Vice City is something that people have really asked for, and two, um, New Orleans is one of the more recent things that Take-Two has done in their Mafia series. So they already have a foundation for that. But uh, the reason why I think it's 100% going to be another campaign and another, you know, typical GTA game is because despite the fact that GTA Online made so much money and is continuing to make so much money, uh, Rockstar is the developer that because they make so much money, they get to make the rules of what they do. And at the end of the day, this is a team that loves to make satirical uh very story heavy story driven games on american culture and i can't imagine them being excited about making a game that doesn't have their ability to express that and i i don't think i don't think take two would ever tell them hey you can't do that because at that point you don't want to piss off your the developer that literally makes all your money um yeah. so yeah i definitely think definitely think they're going to be doing a, a single player and a perfect example of that is GTA Online made a ton of money when they decided to make Red Dead 2. And Red Dead 2, very successful game, but compared to GTA 5, kind of unsuccessful, which is a ridiculous thing to say because Red Dead Redemption 2 is a hugely successful game. But, you know, it didn't have the same kind of reception, even though it had its online mode similar to GTA Online as, uh, as GTA 5 did. 
but they still made it. And they, in my opinion, made a very kind of almost boring game. And I, I don't mean that in, in a bad way. I mean that in kind of like a sim way. They, they tried to make a game as simulation heavy as possible where actions were very long and slow and uh, kind of as true to life as a video game could be. And they did that despite the fact that that wasn't really the money-making move. Uh, and Take-Two allowed them to do that. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a continuation for that. And in terms of what the package of the game is going to look like, what I expect, or I shouldn't say what I expect, but what I think they'll they'll probably do is, like I mentioned, probably do a Vice City, um, which is the GTA version of Miami uh, game, where there's a full single player in that city and in that world and the online multiplayer is just an expansion of the current GTA Online. So maybe it's it's something similar to selecting servers or you go to an airport and you can fly to Vice City and you can take your character from GTA 5 Online into the next version of GTA into that Vice City and you know continue that role playing and that that kind of game and that progression in that new city. And mm-hmm. maybe it's something that they kind of say well, you can travel back and forth between the two with your character because, you know, they just re- very recently released story um, content, new content for GTA Five Online. So, yeah, I don't think they want to put themselves in a position where they have to, have to choose. I think they want to be in a situation where, where players can travel freely between both of them. Um, and I imagine that that's the way they'll tackle online, where online feels like an expansion to the current online. But the single player is a full-fledged new single-player game that is probably going to be uh, next-gen exclusive. When I say next-gen, I mean PS5 and Xbox series. Um, but maybe online spans the the previous generation as well. But yeah, I think it's 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 definitely something that's coming, and I think it it'll probably come. They mentioned that it's well in development. Uh, it was five years between. GTA 5 and Red Dead Redemption 2 in 2023. It will be five years between Red Dead Redemption 2 and potentially their next project. So maybe we can see GTA 6 or the next version of GTA as early as 2023. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And maybe we see an announcement maybe sometime later this year, maybe at the Game Awards or something like that. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what do you think? Do you think they do a full single player uh, campaign or do you think they just kind of focus on online i mean you brought up some good points there i'd say definitely before that i would have said they lean a lot more into online um just from a business standpoint right if you look at kind of where their money is it's definitely online but you brought up a good point with red dead redemption 2 or red dead redemption online whatever it was called didn't do as successfully. So maybe because of that, they understand that, okay, part of why GTA Online is so successful is because it's tied to the story of GTA 5. And so in, in order to continue being successful, we have to tie it to a new story of GTA 6 or GTA Vice or whatever they decide to create or call it. Yeah, that's definitely a, a possibility moving forward. And then if you look at it that way, it's kind of like what, let's say, World of Warcraft does, mm-hmm. right? Is there is a solid online portion, but every once in a while they come out with new campaigns for you to play through, which add to the online aspect of it. And it's been, you know, pretty successful for them as a company. So I could definitely see GTA doing something similar. One thing that I had in mind is, okay, maybe they incorporate more online play into the campaign mode. So when you're doing the story mode, when you're doing the missions, you can do those online, maybe with a teammate or two, Mm. sort of like what Destiny did. Yeah. Right? Like a lot of, well, no, all of the campaign for Destiny could be played single player, just you by yourself. But you could also team up with people, with some friends online or people you meet online, and you could play through the story with them too. So I could definitely see them I could definitely see them going that route, incorporating some online multiplayer into the single player to sort of make that onboarding to online that much smoother. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people 
who played GTA 5 and only played the story mode and then, all right, completely shut it off. I'm not the majority, I would say, how successful the game's been and how lucrative the game's been. But I'm sure that they're probably thinking, how can we get everyone into online? And one way you could do that is you incorporate that into the campaign mode. So you know that, okay, there are people who are just playing for the campaign, just playing for the story, just playing for our storytelling aspect, incorporate online onto that to make it that much simpler of a process to say, okay, yeah, I'm done with the story, but I want to do, you know, maybe a couple of missions online because it's part of the story mode and I, you know, I'm already kind of familiar with it. But yeah, I, I mean, before I would have said they're going straight online, but you brought up some good points and, you know, they are very good storytellers. And for how successful their game series have been of all the GTAs, I don't think they've ever had a, like a not unsuccessful GTA game. It wouldn't make sense as the developer to say, no, this is how we want you to develop your extremely successful game series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, th- th- that wouldn't make sense. So only Activision does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all know what's going on with them. Um, but yeah, I think, do I think 2023? I guess, yeah. I mean, they say it's in, uh, it's an active production. I feel like a lot of optimistic people are hoping for the holiday season of 2022. That's not happening. Uh, definitely not happening. But 2023 holiday season seems like a very good bet, I would say. Seems like a very good estimate, prediction. Yeah, and it would be on the 10-year anniversary of GTA 5. There you go. And it would be the 10-year anniversary of GTA 5. Lock it in. You heard it here first. But I guess my other question for you is, and you know, I don't like to use the metaverse word, right? Because everything's metaverse now. But if we want to look at this in terms of the metaverse, right? Essentially, GTA Online is its own metaverse. What? Facebook is hoping desperately to create by renaming their company to Meta is GTA Online, right? You have people who go on there, hang out with friends, play games with friends, just, you know, just chill with friends on GTA Online where they have their avatars, they have houses, they have cars they drive around. That is what every company that says they are building for the metaverse wants to have. Do you think there is, I guess, some sort of potential, let's say, for for GTA and Rockstar Games to kind of cash in on this wave of everyone saying, oh, we're designing for the metaverse and we're incorporating Bitcoin and, you know, we're building on the blockchain. Do you think there is a potential that GTA goes that route or do they understand that? No, we're like, we are successfully doing what everyone else is trying to do. We're not going to try and, you know, I don't, we're not going to try and ride the meta metaverse wave. Like everyone else is. We're just going to do what we've been doing successfully. I could, I could see them doing that. Um, I don't know if that necessarily fits the GTA kind of mindset because GTA is so satirical. But maybe if if they do decide to satirize the metaverse and have that be a huge kind of a marketing factor of what the next version of GTA is going to be, it's kind of like this this uh, making fun of the metaverse, but at, while making fun of it becoming a very meta version of itself, it's it's kind of like meta in so many ways, right? Because GTA has always been a satirical meta version of our reality um, mm. of specifically American culture and American reality. So, I, I mean, I think it's kind of a perfect fit for GTA uh, to be a metaverse because it's already meta and then, you know, poke fun and, and poke holes at, at the idea of a metaverse and Facebook and, and meta and all that. I think honestly, that would actually make me really excited just to see that. Cause I think it could be actually hilarious. I don't think they take it seriously, though. I I think they take it seriously um, in terms of they want the game to be fun and and immersive, 
but I don't think they take the idea of a metaverse um, seriously in the game. I think if they do talk about it, it's going to be very like uh, making fun of the idea of a metaverse while being a metaverse. So you don't think they sell any? Uh, you don't think they sell any property in GTA Five to? One hundred percent. I think they do. Yeah. You think yeah. they sell property, people? I do. One hundred percent. So they say you can buy whatever street, Vice Street, one hundred five Vice Street with Ethereum. Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. I don't know if they if they use an established crypto. Um, mm. and I honestly don't even know if they potentially use blockchain. Rockstar uh, Ethereum. Maybe I, I definitely think obviously they have uh, uh shark cards. Um, they already have an in-game currency. They could potentially tie it to uh a blockchain, um, maybe even Ethereum's, but I don't know. I, I think from what's happened in gaming so far with Ubisoft Quartz, um, and you know, even some some video game personalities announcing NFTs and stuff like that, the gaming community at large seems to be hugely against that. I don't think it's worth them taking that risk with such a hugely popular franchise, but I do think that they poke fun at that and they have a system for that that's probably just not tied to a blockchain, um, but will still make them a ton of money because it's going to take real money to buy a, a fake currency so that they could buy those properties and own it. Um, and I imagine there will probably be you know tons of servers so that potentially it's not just one person owning that street in every version of GTA whatever it's called online, but mm. uh, there's actually multiple versions. So multiple people can own that and, you know, maybe even mod servers and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I definitely don't think, I hope that they don't take it too seriously to where they drain the fun out of GTA. That's something that they did with GTA four, um, which they kind of walked back in GTA five. So I don't think they take it that seriously, but I definitely think that it's something that they integrate into it in a kind of fun way. All right, on to our final topic. Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct event today, same day as the Samsung Unpacked event. Uh, to be honest, this completely caught me off guard. I had no idea it was happening, but a very pleasant surprise. They had a lot of, I guess, classic Nintendo franchises. There was Fire Emblem. There was Mario Strikers Battle League announced for June. There was Splatoon 3 coming summer. There's a new Kirby game coming out in March. Um, but also a few games that I didn't see coming that kind of got ported to Nintendo Switch. So No Man's Sky, for instance, is coming to Switch. Mm -hmm. They have Assassin's Creed coming to Switch. A surprising one, Star Wars The Force Unleashed is coming to Switch. I was very surprised to see that. They had Portal, also another, another I don't know, classic puzzle game, a game that I've really enjoyed playing on PlayStation 3. I think it came out on maybe PlayStation 2 and then redone for 3. Um, Portal is also coming to Switch. And then also classic Wii game. Wii Sports has a new Nintendo Switch upgrade. It's going to be called Nintendo Switch Sports. Um, Mario Kart 8 is getting DLC with 48 extra courses. Insane. Insane. And I know what you're definitely oh, yeah. most happy about. They ended with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, so I know you've seen this Nintendo Direct. I don't know if you had it marked off in your calendar, if you've been counting down the days to it. But what are your thoughts on all these announcements from Nintendo? Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's 100% fantastic. Obviously, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 to this day is my favorite Switch game. Uh, well over 250 hours in that game. Uh, I've probably beaten it four times. And, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a sequel. I remember going into that game with reviews. A lot of people saying, oh, you didn't need to play the first game to play this game. 100% not true. The ending makes no sense unless you played the first game. <laughs> Um, which I didn't, so I actually had to had to go back and, and kind of correct that. But there's questions that need to be answered, and I'm glad they, they said, hey, this is going to be what ties the first two games together. Love that. Really excited for that. Switch Sports. I mean, come on. Wii Sports is one of the greatest games ever made. 
and it's coming back and they're adding volleyball and they're adding uh soccer like it's it's just so cool to see uh i'm super excited for that game uh and then probably my biggest even though i'm a really big fan of, of xenoblade chronicles 3 uh i got to play a xenoblade chronicles game recently a game that i haven't been able to play in years or a series is super mario strikers Super Mario Strikers Charged for the Wii is one of the greatest sports games ever made. And the fact that we're getting a new version of that game in so many years. I can't even remember when that, probably like 2007 or 2008 that game came out. So it's been well over 10 years since we got to play a Strikers game. And it looks great. I honestly can't wait. I'm kind of surprised. It looks like Daisy's not in the game, which kind of annoys me. uh, Because... Uh, if anyone played Striker's Charge, one of the coolest things is that one of Daisy's moves is she could literally teleport into the net. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of... funny took her out. <laughs> that's probably why. But, yeah, that was one of my favorite things to do. You could, like, deke out the goalie and just teleport right behind them into the net. And it was one of the most fun games ever made. So, yeah, I'm so glad. And the coolest thing is all these are coming out this year. Like, that's insane. Most of them we've never even heard existed before. We didn't know Strikers existed. We didn't know about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And they're coming out... Yeah, I mean, out... you kind of knew, right? They didn't... Yeah, well... People have been talking about it for a while. They, people have been talking about it, but it not announced. Like, it's not like a situation with, like, Splatoon and all that stuff where they've been announced before. Mm-hmm. These were announced today and are coming out this year, which is so cool to see, and, and uh, I'm really excited uh, so yeah, those those three are definitely my eyes. The Switch ports, uh, you know, Strikers, and uh, obviously Xenoblade Chronicles three. So yeah, I'm I'm a really big fan of, of this this uh, direct. Some directs aren't always exciting. This one was super exciting. I recommend mm-hmm. people check it out uh, if you have a Switch. But I'm curious, what did you think about this direct? And is there anything that really stood out for you? I mean, the fact that I didn't know it was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know this direct was happening. Definitely a pleasant surprise. I would say the things that probably stood out the most to me, uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, because great game. Yeah. Love anything Star Wars. Kirby and the Forgotten Land looked interesting. Not going to buy it. Portal looks interesting. I really enjoyed playing that on PS3. I may consider purchasing it and playing it again mm-hmm. on the switch we sports like you said i'm I, I, I you know i can't even tell you how many times i've played that game yeah how much fun i've had playing we sports so seeing the switch sports i'm definitely interested in that i think that's actually coming out or no it's not coming out soon but on the 18th so nine days from now from the 18th to 20th there is a free play test so if you're someone with a nintendo switch you liked Wii Sports, make sure you are checking out that free play test, February 18th to 20th. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I would say, is the one that, like, 100%, like, take my money already. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch. Um, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I played all the courses multiple times. So the fact that they're adding courses, yeah, that definitely interests me. The fact that they're adding 48 more courses, 48. which is essentially a completely another game. Uh, yeah, definitely interested in that. If you just want to get the DLC for the game, 25 USD, which considering you're getting a second game, essentially, not that bad. What's interesting, though, is... If you have the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass so that you can play N64 games and, and all the other stuff you have on Nintendo Switch Online, this DLC is included already. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. That is, yeah. So I, not sh- I have Nintendo Switch Online. Not sure if I have the Expansion Pass. If I don't, I'm upgrading so I can get this <laughs> for free, essentially, because I do play nintendo switch online anyway so mm-hmm. i mean um and plus all the n64 games i'd get but yeah i think this was a great nintendo direct as you said most of them aren't too exciting this one was very exciting especially because it was a surprise 
but just to throw some numbers out there, and you know, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has done very well. Mario Kart 8, because essentially Mario Kart 8 came out on the Wii U, and then there was DLC for it. And then when the Switch came out, they just gave you all the DLC and all the extra characters included and called it Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So far to this date, it sold 51 million units, which makes it the seventh highest selling game of all time. Uh, 51.8 million. Wii Sports is the fourth highest selling at 82.9 million. Some people are saying that, you know, the reason they're adding 48 courses to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe instead of just releasing Mario Kart 9 is they just want to try and bump up the numbers of oh how well this game is selling like probably not going to catch minecraft at 238 million but maybe get them up into the you know 70 millions maybe have them catch up to wii sports at the 82.9 million it's definitely going to help them move more switch consoles Mm -hmm. another kind of record that's been hit by nintendo they have sold 103.54 million switches and if you think that counts the original Switch, that counts the Switch Lite, that counts the Switch OLED, and they've gotten to this number faster than any other console to date. And the Switch, most people are saying the Switch is kind of in the middle of its last cycle. So we, there's still a few more millions that are going to be tacked on there before they, I guess, get a new, either a new Switch model or the second switch or whatever they decide to call it or name it or whatever they decide to do just for a frame of reference the wii sold 101.64 million so it's beating the wii already the original game boy sold 118 million and the ds sold 154 million now with the ds there was like quite a few different versions of it you know it's the ds family there's the ds XL, the DSi XL, the DSi, the original DS, the DS Lite. So all of those together, 154 million. That's kind of what they're doing with the Switch right now, right? There's different versions of the Switch. Maybe they come out with one more version of the Switch, a fourth version, just so they can keep on tacking on numbers to that 103.54 million. But all of that, I guess, to say that, Nintendo with this current generation is doing very well for themselves. Yeah. They're selling a lot of consoles. They're selling a lot of games. They have games and franchises that people are definitely interested in. Um, and as someone, I guess, who's, you know, a Nintendo fan, I'm happy to see it. Um, and I want them to keep on coming out with games. Yeah. No, I, I think you 100% right. Like, this is a huge number of fastest selling uh console i think the switch we've said in the past cool really cool console really cool concept idea where they finally bridged their mobile and home console systems into one and they're getting rewarded for it they're they're beating out the wii which is huge and probably by the end of the year we'll have outsold the ps4 uh which is i believe just under like 120 million so the PS4 is 116.9 million. Yeah. So, you know, very close to that mark, probably beat it by the end of this year. And then next on that list would probably be the PS2. Um, and Nintendo if, DS family. Well, yeah, it, so especially it for handhelds. PlayStation 4, Game Boy, Nintendo DS family, and then the PlayStation 2. The interesting thing is I'm kind of curious to see if it can be the highest selling home console. Because, you know, the idea that it's only in halfway through its life cycle, pretty kind of crazy. But also, if there ever is a Switch Pro, uh, that will just continue. Kind of like how the PS4 and the PS4 Pro are, you know, all counted as one system. So this could potentially be a huge thing. That being said, we just kind of have to hope that uh, Nintendo doesn't mess it up and, you know, make a Switch U. Yeah, hopefully no switch you i mean the interesting thing too is you know you said the best-selling home console i mean technically the switch Lite isn't a home console true it is only a handheld so 
you know, they've kind of cheated the system a bit. Because when you look at the top selling ones, there's PlayStation 2, home console, Nintendo DS family, handheld, Game Boy fam or Game Boy and Game Boy Color, handheld, PlayStation 4, home console, Nintendo Switch, hybrid is kind of how it's been determined. So it's when you look at, okay, who makes the best home consoles? It's pretty consistently PlayStation. And who makes the best handheld? It's definitely Nintendo. But the fact that they are closing in on PlayStation, I think that's pretty big for Nintendo, especially if you look at how long they've been making consoles and how long they've been making systems. Yeah. But, you know, if they bring out a Switch Pro, and they decide to keep this Switch family going and not say, okay, we're going to completely redesign everything, make it a, a game switch cube U, something like that. I think this definitely has the potential to pass the PlayStation 2 as the top selling console of all time. Yeah. Which I hope they do. One, because as I previously just said, Nintendo fan, but also two, as someone who owns a Switch, like, the versatility of this device it's it's unprecedented which is part of why it sells so well the fact that you can play at home you can take up play it on the road you can go to your friend's house who has a switch doctor switch there play on their tv i think i mean no one has ever done anything like this before and i think that nintendo has something very special which you know i think has already started to change the way that people see gaming, when you look at, you know, the Valve Steam Deck that has just started shipping to people, mm-hmm. and there are definitely going to be more copycats or clones in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just want this to be as successful as possible so that we get more devices like this and people start thinking of gaming a lot differently than they have. Well, and also games, right? This is This being such a huge success for Nintendo also means that games get to be a huge success. And Pokemon Legends RCS... Uh, just came out it's a huge departure from pokemon in the past but it's the fastest selling pokemon game ever uh and that's that's huge also metroid metroid is a series that has never really been all that popular on nintendo consoles despite the fact that people like myself really love it but Mm. metroid dread is getting dlc free dlc um on the switch it was a part of this direct that would have never happened in the past so you know the switch is really its success is also making the games hugely successful and allowing them to do new things, um, which is is really, really cool to see. And, you know, we still haven't seen, you know, much of Breath of the Wild 2. That can kind of accelerate the sales. Yeah, uh, yeah it definitely can. What happens when eventually we get the other, the next, uh, you know, Pokemon game? Like, there's no... it, Despite the fact that a lot of people have complained about the Switch and its power and stuff like that, it doesn't really seem to be slowing down. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the Steam Deck and, and a lot of the copycats. A lot of those are going based off of power. And, you know, oh, we can do this and oh, we can do that. The Switch can't do much, but what it is doing is is being hugely successful and capturing a lot of people. And there's a lot of them out there, which is is just really, really cool to see. And hopefully that continues. One thing that kind of... One thing that's interesting about that, right, is you like you said, the Valve Steam Deck is built off of power. The Switch isn't built off of power. But the reason people like the Switch so much is because of the games, because of, you know, either the franchises or, you know, a lot a lot of it is because of their classic franchises like Pokemon, like Mario, like Zelda, mm-hmm. right? It's the games that people come for. And just earlier in the podcast, you know, we were talking about, okay, yeah, Samsung has, they give you an S Pen, they're ready to throw in a keyboard, they have decks, they have better multitasking, but people want to use the applications. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have the applications for it, yeah, you can have all these fancy bells and whistles that, you know, technically make it a better product, but people need to use applications on your tablet. So if you don't have the applications, it doesn't matter what you, what you can do on this tablet. If they don't have the application, if you don't have the applications, people won't buy and use your tablet. Yeah, it's great that the Valve Steam Deck is probably three times more powerful than the Switch. It's technically a gaming PC in your pocket. Yeah, it's 
you know, there's it's great you can hook up a keyboard and a mouse to it, but you don't have Pokemon, you don't have you know Super Mario Kart, and you don't have Zelda, so probably not going to sell as many units as the Switch does. Not to mention, you know, the the whole Nintendo, uh, you know, conglomerate, and they've been building games for dec you know, game consoles for decades and everything. You know, all of that aside, but you know, a lot of and at least when you look at hardware, right, what makes hardware successful is good software, meaning applications, meaning games. So I know it's kind of interesting that the S22 event, or yeah, it's kind of interesting that we talked about the tablets in the beginning. Hey, it's the software that's important. And when we're looking at how successful Nintendo is and the Switches, is, it's not necessarily the hardware. The software plays a big part of it. To be honest, though, I, I do think, I think the big difference there is because the Switch is so underpowered, um, allows them to make a lot for, you know, a good price. And, you know, not a lot of the chip allocation for the Switch isn't being used by anyone else. No one else mm -hmm. needs those chips because no one else can use them because they're so old. I think the issue is the Steam Deck, if they could make as many, it would be just as successful. The problem is because it's so powerful, you're forgetting Steam is the biggest video game marketplace that exists. It is gigantic. Everyone uses Steam on PC. It is what made Valve one of the most valuable video game companies on the planet. And the problem is no one's going to be able to get their hands on this thing because it's using current gen chips that they have to compete with all the other laptop manufacturers, they got to compete with, uh, you know, uh, the consoles, uh, Xbox series and, and PlayStation five. There's no way they're going to be able to manufacture enough of these to meet demand. And I think that's the big advantage that Nintendo has is that they can tailor their games to a less powerful console and be hugely successful. Steam is also really good at that. If, if, you know, steam is the golden child for the indie developer. All indie games that are on the Switch are on Steam, and they're on Steam first, usually, you know, a year or two in advance, and that's where they get discovered. That's where people find them and realize, oh, these games are actually fantastic, and the Steam Deck will be the perfect place to play them. The problem is no one's going to be able to buy one, um, at least not for retail price. They're going to get scalped. They're going to get, unfortunately, they're going to be really hard to find, and I think that's the really big benefit of... of the switch is that even during this chip shortage they won't have nearly as much issues as their competition of getting them out there which you know that's why you can sell 104 million at a time when people are struggling to sell you know playstation 5s or xbox series but i don't know the steam deck is very exciting i can't wait for it to, to fully launch but yeah it's going to be very very hard to come by i think that's definitely part of it like how how much easier Nintendo can make the switch compared to the Steam Deck and you know even compared to PlayStation and Xbox. And yes, this like Steam has a ton of games. They have a huge game library. But just because they have more games doesn't mean they have the games that people want to play, right? Like Pokemon and Animal Crossing New Horizons, like how many units alone of the switch did those two games move over the pandemic mm -hmm. and those are nintendo exclusives yeah you could probably find some work around with the emulator on the Valve steam deck but the majority of people aren't doing that the majority of people are saying hey i want to play pokemon i'm going to get the nintendo console or i want to play animal crossing i'm going to get the nintendo console or their kids are saying i want pokemon i want animal crossing those are only on Nintendo. Those are only on the Switch. So they have to get a Switch. And yes, it, uh, it of course helps that a Switch is at, you know, at one point was so much easier to access and then at one point sold out and now it's easy to access again because of how much quicker they can pump out the the consoles. But I think just the the catalog of games that they have, not... Not to think of, you know, the the quantity, the sheer quantity of games that they have. It's the the specific catalog. I think that makes a huge deal. 
I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I do think there's a situation where Valve could announce Half-Life 3 tomorrow. They could announce Left 4 Dead 3 tomorrow and say that it's a Steam Deck exclusive or even just, you know, just announce it and people will go insane and buy anything they can to play it. They but, would, but then they don't have as many of those Half-Life 2s. But that's the thing. They don't need to do that. They don't need to announce those games. There's a reason why Half-Life 3 doesn't exist because they don't need it to exist. At the end of the day, Valve can literally do nothing and people will still rush to their service because they release more games and more great games every day than any other platform. And people know that. And that's why, you know, this when as soon as the Steam Deck was announced, pre-orders went in a second. And it's because people know, hey, Steam is the best place to play these games. And they made a console that is comparable to the Switch by price, which is crazy to think of because no one else can really do that. I'm, I imagine that Steam and Valve is losing a ton of money on each Steam Deck sold. Um, but they're able to do that just because they have so much money and Steam is so ridiculously successful. I 100% I, I honestly believe that the Steam Deck would sell just as much, if not even outsell the Switch, if they could get enough out there. I just don't think it's possible. I guess we'll just agree to disagree then. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Pokemon's better than anything else. Maybe, maybe. maybe. They're, they're, no, not maybe. They are the biggest franchise in the world. Like, yeah. We'll see. No, not no. Like statistically speaking, Pokemon is the biggest franchise in the world. It's not even close. <laughs> Valve would need to come up with like five other games combined to equal what Pokemon is. And take it easy, podcast land. Get you the next episode. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.